0: Thanks Michaela and Chris. Keep John chapter 1 open. Am I on? There we go. Keep John chapter 1 open. Uh, Take out your service sheet as well. There is an opportunity inside there as there is each and every week if you'd like to take down any notes to help you uh, learn from God's Word process it, understand it. You can also write down comments and questions as well. Let's pray as we spend this time studying God's Word together. Our Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Thank you that you can be known. We thank you that you have made yourself known so clearly in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would open the eyes of our heart and mind again tonight, that we might recognize your Son for who he truly is in all his glory, and that we might receive him and so find life in him. That's in his name we pray. Amen. There's a story told about uh, an elderly lady who was visiting a prestigious art gallery and it was a well-known art gallery and she was quite well-known and so she had a guided tour of the art gallery with the curator of the gallery himself. And so they're walking down the different corridors of the art gallery, noticing and appreciating some of the major pieces of art that are displayed all around the walls there. And then she and the curator turned a corner And then she looked on the wall and she was in utter shock, disdain, and turned to the curator and said, the curator, not the creator, turned to the curator and said, what is this? And the curator somewhat uh, sheepishly replied, uh, Madam, that is a mirror. come on everyone awake you're with it sometimes we find facing reality a little bit challenging isn't it what did you do when you looked into the mirror this morning did you look with utter shock and disdain i'm becoming more and more like that maybe you are too Uh, sometimes when reality is faced in us we, we just ignore it or we pretend it's not there or we think it's something else and we have a problem often acknowledging reality and humanity has had a problem with recognizing the reality of who Jesus is for thousands of years and it's not like the world doesn't have opinions on Jesus like when we look in the mirror we have an opinion we may not like it we may make up another opinion but the world has many opinions and deeply held assumptions about Jesus but some of them are contradictory and opposing many people have believed that Jesus was a man Others have believed that no, he wasn't, he was just a a myth uh, created by somebody. Uh, Jesus is the son of God, many people believe, and others have said no, no, he's just a religious figure, a prophet of old. Some have said Jesus is a, a good teacher and others have said no, he's a very bad teacher and we should not listen to him. But they can't all be right at the same time, I hope you see that, they are contradictory. Jesus can't exist and not exist at the same time. He can't be both a good teacher and a bad teacher at the same time so how do you know which opinion which deeply held assumption about jesus that's been expressed throughout history is correct how do you know that your view of who you think jesus is is right maybe you think that's a dumb question to even ask why should i even care what the world thinks about Jesus maybe I don't even want to take him that seriously myself now I know most of you and you've been at church for many years and have been coming along here faithfully every night but maybe you started to think in your own experience of God why should I bother anymore with Jesus maybe you've had some issues and some questions or some doubts that have started to appear in your own life and and you started to question is it really worth it giving my life to Jesus I could be doing something else on a Sunday night why bother well if you started to have those doubts and those questions then it's really good that you're here because we're starting this sermon series looking at the life of jesus really we're looking at one of the biographies of jesus written by john and we're calling it believe and live because i hope that as we go through this series if you're starting to question your faith and whether following jesus is worth it when you started to listen to some of the voices out in the community telling you jesus is not someone important just ignore him go do something else then you're going to be confronted week after week with the reality of who jesus is and it's inspiring life-changing so i'm glad that you're here and i pray that you keep coming along i don't know if you've read john's gospel before it's very different to the other gospels matthew mark and luke and some people get scared by the gospel of john because it's dense at times and seems overly complicated and uh, the long teaching segments of Jesus can be confusing, but there is also a, a real simplicity to the Gospel of John as well, such that kids can understand it. And so, our primary school kids are looking at John's Gospel on Sunday mornings as well, and they'll be learning and exploring it and being excited by it. Someone famously has once said that John's Gospel is such that a child can easily swim in it, but it's also so deep that an elephant can swim. So whether you're a child or an elephant tonight, John's Gospel has something for all of you. Who wrote the Gospel of John? Who wants to have a guess? Tim. Oh, I wasn't actually directing it to you, but yes, John. Now, some people confuse it and think it was John the Baptist who wrote the Gospel, but it's not John the Baptist. It was John the Apostle, one of the original followers uh, of Jesus And it's not a story about John. It's John's story about Jesus, his life, his teaching and particularly his death and resurrection. Now I'm going to just zoom in on chapter 1 tonight. Well, the first half of chapter 1, which is known as the prologue of the Gospel of John or the introduction to the Gospel uh, of John. Uh, You don't hear Jesus speak in verse 1 to 18. You hear John the disciple talk about uh, Jesus And I'm going to structure the message tonight just in two key areas. The first is recognizing Jesus, or if you want to phrase that as a question, who is he really? And then the second area that I'm going to focus on is receiving Jesus, or why you should care. So that's what we're going to be seeing uh, tonight from John chapter 1. Now you notice notice at the very beginning of John chapter 1, Jesus' name is not mentioned straight up. Which is quite unique because in the other Gospels, the name of Jesus is referred to almost immediately. So, Mark, for example, says, This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But John doesn't. It's not until you get to verse 17 of chapter 1 where Jesus is mentioned by name. In fact, there is another name that takes up the bulk of John chapter 1. Did you notice what that name was? What was it? The Word. The Word is the name or the concept or the idea that takes up most of John chapter 1. And it's really cryptic. We know ultimately that the Word is Jesus according to verse 17, but it takes a bit of time to get there. Have you ever wondered, if you've read John's Gospel before, why does John call him the Word and not something else? Why the Word? Well, before we answer the question, let's see what John says about the Word. And I think that will help us. Have a look at verse one to verse two the very beginning uh, is where we're at in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning what other book of the bible do you know starts with in the beginning genesis genesis 1 1 in the beginning god john when he's writing this gospel which is ultimately about jesus says in the beginning He's drawing us not to Bethlehem to begin his gospel. He's drawing us back to the beginning, the beginning of all things. And he says, in the beginning was not God. He does say that. But here he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Everything that you can say about God, you can say about the Word. Remember, the word is ultimately Jesus. So what John is saying is Jesus didn't come into existence at Bethlehem. Jesus had a pre-existence. Jesus existed before all things, the beginning. He existed there with his father. In fact, he says he didn't just exist with God, but he himself is God. Now, if you've been in church for a long period of time, you're like, yeah, of course, Jesus is God. just said that in the creed we sing about it all the time but that's not been a common held assumption throughout church history that jesus is god but it's true let's have a look at verse 3 all things were created through him and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created life was in him and that life was the light of men That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Some people make the wrong assumption that in the beginning was God, and then the very first thing that God did was create Jesus. And then Jesus created everything else. But that's not what John says. Do you notice he says, all things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created. In other words, Jesus was there right at the very beginning, and he was the one that brought everything into being now just think about that when we picture jesus we often picture little jesus born in bethlehem in that little stable or cave or whatever it was but that little baby struggling to breathe those first few hours was actually the one who breathed life into existence at the beginning i don't know if you've had other pictures of jesus in your mind as you've grown up in the christian life I remember going to Sunday school and reading the kids' Bibles and seeing pictures of Jesus and I went to a very old traditional church where they had stained glass windows with often depictions of Jesus and often those pictures are of Jesus tends to be white with blonde hair and blue eyes for some reason and in one arm he's holding a baby lamb and in the other arm he's holding a baby child and then he has a big dinner plate behind his head for some reason. They're kind of the pictures I grew up with of Jesus. And although that's true, that Jesus is meek and mild and gentle, he loves the lambs and he loves the little babies, we know that's true. But John draws us to a much bigger picture of Jesus, that he is God himself. He is the creator of all things. But why doesn't John just say, Jesus is God, friends? Why does he call him the word? Why be so cryptic about it? Well, what are words? What are they for? Words are the way we communicate, aren't they? Words are the way we express ourselves, the way we reveal something of ourselves to other people. And that's what John wants us to focus on when we look at Jesus, that he is the very self-expression of God. He is God's ultimate communication to us. He is God's ultimate revelation of himself. If you want to know what God is like, john says you need to look at jesus then you'll see and understand who he really is and as this prologue of john's gospel continues we see this word this self-expression this revelation and communication of god is actually directed towards the world in verse 6 to 9 we read this there was a man named john who was sent from god this is john the baptist just in case you're playing at home and john john who's john He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, you must remember the light that's coming into the world is the same light that we're told about in verse 4. That's the light, the word, Jesus is coming into the world. The communication, the self expression of God is coming into the world John was going to prepare people for him and then we see his arrival verse 14 the word became flesh and took up residence among us and we read that so quickly don't we The Word who was with God in the beginning, the Word who is God, the Word who is the source of life and light, all morality and understanding and wisdom, God himself entered into the world. Literally the phrase there is, the Word became flesh and tabernacled with us. And tabernacled, you might recall, is an Old Testament concept where the Israelites built this special tent not the austral gazebo of the old testament but a very special tent where the spirit of god would dwell so that god's people knew that god was with them wherever they went and john says that here the word god himself became human flesh and tabernacled amongst us he pitched his tent to know that the world would be with him and that he would be with the world a great act of grace and love i don't know if you remember the 90s maybe some of you weren't even born in the 90s but there was a great musician in the 1990s known as joan osborne and she sang a well-known song what if god was one of us and a line in the chorus went like this what if god was one of us just a slob like one of us On the bus, like one of us, or something like that. Who knows the song? Everyone remember the song? There was something about a bus on there, wasn't there? Like a stranger on a bus. Slob on a bus. Well, friends, you must remember, according to John, Jesus is God, one of us. Maybe not a slob, but he did experience the slobness of human experience in all of its depths. And despite how unbelievable that sounds to most people in the world, that God, one if, even if God exists, would actually become a human, John wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt that it's true. Because look at what he says at the end of verse 14. He's just said the Word became flesh. God became human. And the next line is, We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth John testified concerning him and exclaimed this was the one of whom I said the one coming after me has surpassed me because he existed before me indeed we have all received grace after grace from his fullness the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ no one has ever seen God the one and only son the one who is at the father's side he has revealed him The Word became flesh. And we saw it, John says. You know, if we were born in Palestine 2,000 years ago, we could have rubbed shoulders with God himself, physically. Just imagine that. John says, we saw him. We beheld his glory, grace upon grace. It was incredible. We listened to God with audible voice from him as he walked beside us on the road we've seen it john testified about him and we saw him with our own eyes yes it's unbelievable to the world that god exists yes but that he also became a man but we saw it and john wants us to be convinced that it's true as well so that first point If this works who is he really if you want to recognize jesus Who is he really, according to John? He's the Word, the divine Son of God, who has come into the world. Now, what are we going to do with that reality? It's one thing to recognize it or acknowledge it, but then what do we do with that news? Well, right in the middle of the prologue in John chapter 1, There's a couple of verses that stand out. In fact, I think they are the climax of John chapter 1, at least the prologue. It's a beautifully structured piece of writing, John 1 1 to 18. And verse 10 to 13 are the heart of it because it's about our response to who Jesus is. And there's a couple of different responses. Let's have a look at verse 10 to begin with. Receiving Jesus. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet. The world did not recognize him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. Now let that sink in. The creator himself has come to his own world. A world that has his fingerprints all over it. And the world has said, who are you? I don't know you. It would be like you know going home after church if you've got family at home and your family's saying who are you you don't belong here get out and not because you had a fight before church and so it's a bit awkward when you go home but because they truly do not want you they might actually in reality know who you are but they are refusing to accept you it's a horrible thing you know when i go home after church many of you know clive right Clive's our family dog. Everyone loves Clive, except when he digs out to come into church in the morning. But I'll go home. Do you think Clive will recognize me when I go home? Absolutely. His tail will start wagging. He'll be so excited that dad has come home. Even a dog can recognize their owner. It's so flabbergasting to think that the creation of the world does not recognize their owner. The Bible later says it's because we refuse to, not out of ignorance, but out of rebellion. And ultimately, that rejection of Jesus that John introduces here would find its ultimate expression when the creation would nail their creator to a wooden cross outside Jerusalem. But of course, the great irony in that is that's what the creator always intended. That despite the darkness of the world, the light was coming into it to save it. And to save it, the light had to face the darkness, become subject to the darkness, our darkness, ultimately to overcome it, so that we might find that light again. Isn't that good news? Never forget that. Let's have a look at the next response. Not everybody rejected the Son, and not everybody continues to reject the Son. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name who are born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man but of God there were some that did receive him miraculously God enabled some opened the the eyes of their mind and their heart to recognize Jesus the word of God become flesh but also receive him to believe not just about him but to believe in him to believe everything about him his identity his mission on this world to save people from darkness and to trust the new life that only he can bring and there's a beautiful line in there that those who do receive him god gives them an incredible gift a privilege a status do you see what that status is in verse 12 the right Become children of God. And again, that just washes over us so quickly, but don't ever forget how significant that is that we, because of Jesus, can be children of God. Jesus is the only one by nature who can be a child of God, he is the true divine Son of God. We have no right by nature to be children of God. And yet, if we receive Jesus, his status with his heavenly father becomes ours we are welcomed into that intimate eternal home relationship family not by nature but by adoption that's so significant continue to thank and praise god for that and the reason john wrote his gospel can i take you to the end of john's gospel to john chapter twenty. That idea that's introduced in chapter 1 that we've just looked at tonight finds its ultimate conclusion in John chapter 20, verse 30 and verse 31. The reason John wrote his gospel, we're told, is so that we all receive him. Or as the tagline of our sermon series is, is, believe and live. Let me show that to you, verse 30 of John chapter 20. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe jesus is the messiah the son of god and by believing you may have life in his name that's the response that john wants every one of his readers to make to jesus to recognize him yes but more than that to receive him to believe in him to become a child of god and have eternal life yeah does it matter should i care is jesus worth my time absolutely a relationship with your creator is on the table life with him forever is on the table yes you should care but if you do care if you've thrown your life in with jesus it's not easy is it because the world is still a dark place there are many who still reject jesus and do not receive him and so it'll be hard for christians particularly in western culture christianity was mainstream once everyone was a christian or so people thought now to be a christian is to be edgy now maybe you're into edgy stuff so be a christian is probably the most edgiest thing that you could probably ever do uh, in our culture at the moment but it's still going to be hard But is it worth it absolutely very much so is it worth it now let me tell you a story a story about this guy who'll come up on the screen anyone know who he is No, you have no idea who he is Uh, his name is nolan bushnell there's nolan nolan this is everyone everybody this is nolan Uh, nolan used to work for a video game company or a video gaming company atari you've heard of atari like Nintendo before it became Nintendo. And um, Nolan was an executive in that company, very wealthy man and very powerful man. And one of his younger employees was the man by the name of um, Steve Jobs. Have you heard of him? Founding director of Apple Computer, big technology company. And Steve Jobs came to Nolan and said, I've got an idea about a tech company and I'd love for you to help me get it started. I, I just need some capital to get it started. If you put 50 grand into this company, Uh, You can have a third of it and it will really help us get started. But Nolan said to his younger employee, that's not worth it. You're not worth it. I've got better things to spend invest my money in. Was that a good decision? Do you know who he is? You don't because I just told you about him. Nobody knows about him but everybody knows Steve Jobs. Because what's Apple worth today? I don't know, Jeremy could probably tell me exactly, but it's probably $500 billion at least. And he could have had a third of it. But he said, I don't want that. It's not worth it. Good decision or bad decision? He's probably feeling very embarrassed about what he missed out on. And so many people reject Jesus because they think that he's not worth it. They've made some assumption about him that somebody has told them on the internet and they miss out on something truly incredible. Don't ever give up on him. You've got everything in him, life on the table, relationship with God. Don't give it up. So if you are starting to have doubts about your faith, if you are starting to question whether following Jesus is worth it, keep coming to church over this whole term, every Sunday night if you can. Because each and every week we're going to be encountered with the reality of who Jesus is. And I'm not saying every one of your doubts or questions will be answered or go away. But the more you're confronted with the truth of who Jesus is, the more your mind and your heart is just going to be inspired by him. And you'll see that following him is always worth it. So keep coming along. And I want to challenge you to see if you can invite somebody to come to nighttime church over this term. A family member, a friend, a friend from school, from work. And encourage them just to take a test drive with Jesus. You don't need to force them to kind of believe everything the first time they come. But just encourage them to come and to to listen to what Jesus says about himself. And not just to hold on to the assumption that they heard on some atheist blog or whatever it might be. But to come and engage with what Jesus says about himself. And encourage them to think afresh for themselves. I know it's scary to invite someone to church. But I hope you enjoy being here. share that with somebody and you might just get to see the joy of someone moving from darkness to light from death to life wouldn't that be great let's pray heavenly father we thank you that you are not a silent god or an unknown god but that you have made yourself known we thank you that Jesus is your ultimate self-expression, true revelation of who you are and what you're like. Thank you that as we look at him and as we listen to him over the coming weeks, we're listening to you. We're seeing you in action. Open the eyes of our heart and mind to see that, to recognize that, and then to receive him into our hearts and our minds, to love him, to grow to be like him. And we pray, Father, that you might be pleased to bring people from our families, our friends, our community to church over the next coming weeks and months that they might recognize Jesus too and receive him.